There is a prophecy that two sons of Adam and two daughters of Eve will appear to defeat the White Witch and put an end to this hundred-year winter. I think you've made a mistake. We're not heroes. There's no mistake. Aslam is on the move. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host Zachary Allen, and I'm Michael Tabor. Man, it feels uh, feels good to be back in the saddle, back in the bunker again. Michael, how did you use your time off? I assume wisely. Uh, I mostly spent it comforting my poor terrified dog. Oh uh, no! Who has been dealing with fireworks for the past month? Shout outs to the guy a block over from us that used uh-huh. the lot they cleared to put up condos to set off not just a few fireworks, but a full on like display complete with like a 50 firework finale that had to have had holy shit like timing they could not have done this just like running around lighting stuff so they they must have had stuff wired together or on timers i don't know but it was like genuinely very impressive and also my dog is still deathly afraid of going outside so yeah uh you know you you know you could do the sort of tv pullback thing of like your dog shivering next to you in bed and then me shivering next to your dog <laughs> i'm extremely sick of fireworks the other, yeah uh, and so is the rest of our neighborhood turns out oh yeah we we don't need to get into the man that just like lost his shit on july 5th when like a family was setting off one firework and he was just like no fuck you this is done we're done <laughs> It and you was, know what? It was both inappropriate, but he did speak for me. Yeah, I, I had this moment where I was, like, ready to go out and be upset about it and then saw that this was this, like, family together, like, <laughs> this mom like there with her eight-year-old. And I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't mm. I can't be the white guy that's yelling at people and families in the neighborhood. Uh, but that dude did it anyway. Yeah, but it was time to stop lighting fireworks. We can all agree. Okay, so there's there's been some stuff happening this week. The Supreme Court came out with a couple terrible decisions today. Yeah, that's, surprise, uh, surprise. You know, Obamacare contraceptive mandates being mm-hmm. weakened or how if you work for any sort of religious institution, employment laws no longer apply to you. Which is like, fucking terrible. Basically, terrifying. everyone that works at Georgetown is now a Baptist preacher. That's, that's just the standard. Okay, that's true. <laughs> In uh, practice. <laughs> so with everything that's happening in the world, we here at Shitty Christians like to keep our finger on our pol- on the mm-hmm. pulse yeah. uh, of what's happening, which is why today we're going to be discussing the 2005 family action adventure vehicle, Disney's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> <It's> extremely relevant. <laughs> yeah. Topical. Topical. <laughs> so, Michael, why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> why are we doing this? Well, you know, we, we do enjoy covering Christian media uh, here mm-hmm. on Shitty Christians. It's something we've gotten a lot out of. We've yeah, mainly I, been stuck in the pure flicks and directly mm-hmm. pure flicks adjacent realm. So this is a chance to sort of branch out and yes. uh, experience a little bit more of the wider world of Christians being bad at media. I didn't know this. There were movies that weren't just made as tracks. <laughs> yeah. I, I really thought they were all just at the end. Someone would turn to the camera and tell you that God is not, in fact, dead. Yeah, or or that you're going to hell. <laughs> hey, listen, I've seen that. J.K. Rowling, where'd you yeah, come where, from? Where are you doing here? No, that's perfect. Uh, so we dove into this uh, in part because it's kind of a fascinating story of how it got made. Yes. And two, because we fucking love C.S. Lewis. I read 
read I I have read the entire series of all seven books. Yeah, the, double, the double Chronicles. The, dare I, you say. I have chronicled <laughs> the Narnia. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, in the great uh, mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis versus Tolkien yes. divide, I was I was Team Lewis. Me man. too. Uh, as whether, much as I loved uh, reading Loader too. Yeah, and uh, I definitely enjoyed Lord of the Rings, but I came to Narnia earlier, which makes mm-hmm. sense. Me uh, too. But I also went harder. Like I've read yeah. that entire series multiple times. Uh, you know, I read his space trilogy, which oh, no one should ever do. I have do. read that hideous strength. Oh, Paralandra. You missed the first one, Out of the Silent Planet. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> out of order. And and that really was my experience with Lewis. Like, yeah. I, I read some of his more, like, theological yeah, works I as read, I got older. Uh, what's the big one? Uh, Mere Christianity. I read Mere Christianity. I was in an abolition of man stan. I was really into the telos. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I did read the screw tape letters. Oh, of course. I mean, that's Which are pretty kind cool. of in between. Yeah, yeah. that's kind so of screw awesome. Screwtape letters are still kind of fun. And we're not really here to delineate. I think it's another episode to really delve into, like, Lewis's theology. Yeah. Uh, but these specific works, yes. Narnia, the chronicles mm-hmm. thereof, uh, were really <laughs> important to us. Oh, yeah. And I thought that I had seen this movie. I, I see. I did see this movie. I saw the movie in theaters. I don't think I ever did. I think those British faces were just ingrained in my brain. <laughs> like, well, like, all, okay, listen, all British faces are ingrained in your brain. There's only one. <laughs> yeah, I can say that. They do all look <laughs> I was like, wow, they really uh, got people that kind of looked like brothers and sisters for this. Oh, wait. <laughs> they're just <laughs> they're British. Just, they're just British. So, before we get to like the actual film, what it succeeds at, what it doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, why it is trying so hard to be Lord of the Rings, <laughs> I think we should talk a little bit about who made it. Because. This was actually a co-production. You know, it's on Disney Plus, which mm-hmm. shout outs to Disney Plus for being fucking terrible. Dude, okay. I was trying to watch it and it would just stop. It would just stop. Uh, we watched this separately and both yeah. had the same issue of sometimes the audio would keep going, but the video would just stop. Yep. Sometimes you wouldn't be able to get it to start back up. Mm-hmm. I had to close the whole fucking app a couple times. Disney, yep. get your house in order. How am I supposed to get lost in this magical kingdom? I'm trying. <laughs> I am trying to go to Disneyland, and I'm fu- stuck at fucking Epcot. Yeah, that's an Epcot burn. No, you don't. But it actually wasn't just a Disney production. Disney mm-hmm. co-produced it with Walden Media. Walden Media is interesting because one, they exist pretty much exclusively to develop like quote unquote literary projects. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, recently Hence they the made name. yeah the Dora movie though. So I'm not sure how well that all worked out. It's also owned by one Philip Anschutz. <laughs> what a dumb name who is both the son of an oil tycoon okay one of the richest men in america wow i didn't even know who this guy was and hyper conservative christian who donates to tons of anti-trans anti-gay uh, uh anti-climate change pro young earth creationism causes uh you probably don't know his name but you probably have read the like yearly takedown article because he also owns coachella uh so he's the guy it was I, already I, I see this every yeah exactly uh don't go to coachella not because this asshole is involved but because it's fucking coachella yeah be cool <laughs> so every year there's like a vice article about uh-huh. like hey the guy that runs coachella is fucking terrible mm-hmm. this is that guy turns out he is not just the coachella guy industry he operates in industries like energy railroads real estate sports newspapers movies theaters arenas and music railroads are still exist and he's just some dude from kansas uh whose dad was an oil tycoon uh and he has been using this money like all billionaires to do terrible things 
Like, uh, like all people who inherit wealth, terrible. So he owns Walden, which I think okay. helps bring this yeah. into light, like how this even happened. It sort of clarifies it. If, if anything, this movie is the opposite of particularly like proselytizing or ideological. Oh, yeah, like, It tones no. that stuff down. Uh, but it's interesting that he is connected. I think that really helps move it into the shitty Christian's domain when terrible Christian billionaires be doing things. There you will find us. <laughs> I would say when one or more, but really it just takes one. <laughs> so that's the asshole that sort of funds this whole thing. But I think okay. in order to understand where this movie came from, you have to understand that it came out in 2005. So in 2001, a little movie that you may have heard of called The Fellowship of the Ring came out and set off a fantasy craze yes. of just every movie studio trying to get in on that market. And we need to say this movie succeeded. Oh, yeah. Like as, as much as we did not personally enjoy it, it made like three, three quarters of a billion dollars in the box office. Uh, they made two more that were not anywhere near as successful, <laughs> but they kept making them because this is the biggest hit that Walden has ever had. Yeah. It made Disney money. Like, right. Uh, you know, it took 180 D Disney million. always makes money. Let me fucking tell you that. Well, I mean, I, it made Disney scale money. That's yeah, what yeah, I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was an incredibly successful thing. Reviews, shockingly positive. It was something like 75% on Metacritic. Wait, are you fucking kidding me? No, people really liked this movie. Everyone liked this movie. Anytime you get a handful of British actors in a room, American critics, like, wet themselves. <laughs> yeah, they, they just they, cannot think clearly the moment you get, what if, what if Fleabag isn't very good? We just can't tell. There's no way of knowing. <laughs> so, very successful movie. Yep. Has no cultural imprint, though. Yeah. Like, Lord of the Rings is this enormous tale. Yeah. You know, people still love that movie. People still watch it and talk about it about it like i never hear anybody talk about no, any of the narnia it disappeared films. into the ether it has the same number of movies as lord of the rings <laughs> and yet it is just and it's come out much poof. more recently yeah absolutely so we needed to dive in <laughs> to figure out what is going on as as lovers of narnia one last uh one last fun tidbit it's directed by the shrek guy that's such an interesting choice it is it is a really fascinating i'm gonna say it i think this movie needed a little more shrek just it just needed fifteen percent more verb. Shrek, I you know, there's been a weird critical resurgence of Shrek love. Weird, yeah. some say. <laughs> like yeah. I'm leading. They're staring at you, Zachary. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this becomes a Shrek pot immediately. <laughs> Curse. Like you see, they're re they're reversing these tropes, Michael. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Again, yeah. NPR. It's voice. the most unproblematic un work. <laughs> the Scottish be farting. <laughs> <laughs> So, Zach. How's this movie begin? Michael, it opens. Yeah, so this... This movie opens like all children movies with the Blitz. Yeah, yeah, with, with Germans and airplanes bombing people. You know, like the fairy tale this is. The other thing I did in preparation uh -huh. for this conversation is read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe again. Yeah, which, by the way, commitment to the pod. I mean, I will say it took significantly less time than watching this fucking movie. This movie is like two and a half hours long. Yeah, I, I don't know how they managed to make the movie uh, beefier than a book. Then the book and also simultaneously everything up until the, the tail end of it feels incredibly rushed. 
Anyways, so we open so this with fairy tale, yeah. this children's story about <laughs> fantasy creatures in a fantasy world, opens with literal Nazis on children being bombed by Nazis. Well, it's Nazis. No, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Children are being bombed by Nazis, so you know you're in for a, a heartwarming story. And for for those of you that don't have our experience with the Chronicles of Narnia, the Fuck first you. book, <laughs> yeah, yeah, turn off this pod. Centers around four children. Yes, the um, Pevensey children. Yeah, the the Pevenses. Peter, the eldest, Susan, the the oldest, oldest daughter, daughter uh, Edmund, the little shitbag, and Lucy. Lucy, the precocious child that is the star of this picture. Yes. Uh, and it opens on Edmund watching the bombing yeah. like a psycho. <laughs> no, just like super, super, so uh, get, like, super Patrick Bateman, just like yeah, grinning at Nazis. at the window as you watch the bombs go off, <laughs> and he's just like, gazing out at him. (laughs) They rush into a storm shelter. Yeah. But Edmund, Edmund, as we will see throughout this fucking little movie, is like, wait, I can't go to safety yet. I have to go save a picture of my father. Yeah, so this this doesn't take place in the book at all. It's no. It's literally None 14 words. It's just like they had to leave because of the air raids. And instead you're treated to the scene where Edmund is watching the bombing. They all are rushed to safety. It's and like then Edmund 10 minutes. Yeah, it, it's at least five. It's not insignificant. Uh, and then Edmund rushes back into the house as the bombs are falling to save a picture of his father. I could have sworn his father must be dead. Yeah, it's in he, my notes that his dad is dead, and he's a simp for his dead dad. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it would only make sense if that was representative of his actual father. But his father's not dead. He's just at war. Peter then immediately berates him, which yeah, well, is going to set up a theme in this yeah. movie. Peter Peter yanks him back inside, throws him to the ground, and is like, you suck. Yeah, you <laughs> selfish motherfucker is the <laughs> like, actual like, line whoa, in this whoa, PG, whoa. PG Disney family film. And then film. his mom, who's 60 for some reason, is just like, uh, <laughs> Pizza, don't abuse this child. Don't yeah. abuse your brother. <laughs> Pizza, calm down. Pizza, stop hitting him. <laughs> uh, which sets up the relationship between them, which is older brother and younger brother, and they're both awful. Which is one of the really <laughs> fascinating changes that the movie decided to make is that all of these kids suck for no reason. Yeah, C.S. Lewis is it's one of the few children's books written by an old man that like likes its kid characters. Yeah, and, and that really goes out of its way to establish them as characters. Mm. Uh and and this movie just just having none of that. So the kids get carted off <laughs> yeah. out of England. They're set uh, I, or one, out of London. Yeah, out out of out of out of out of the city. Mm-hmm. And there's one moment I want to point to here. They're at the the railway station with their oddly ancient mother. Yeah. <laughs> like, this woman should be 35. Harry Potter going to the platform nine and three quarters as they're getting shipped off. Yeah. Uh, and and Peter notices soldiers because he's supposed to be... He look, he's, I mean, yeah, he, he looks like a grown-ass man. Yeah, he's like 20. I think he's supposed <laughs> to be like 13 or 14. But. Uh, but he's like six feet tall. Yeah. But he like looks at soldiers sort of like significantly and it's definitely setting up his arc wherein he will become a warrior and it's just like it's kind of icky yeah so i Even think in small mode being like warriors yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at these noble warriors yeah uh, peter turns up in generation kill <laughs> yeah peter peter gazes off at the soldiers thinking i should i should be them yeah which he should because he's 22 <laughs> right but also no because war is hell yeah. like nobody should go to war exactly <laughs> but anyway uh, we'll, we'll get to c.s lewis's stance on war and who should be going to it later on in this podcast <laughs> so, so they get carted off to they, this mansion and, and they end up in rural england yeah. this beautiful sort of countryside mansion 
and uh, this enormous state. That is owned by an eccentric professor. Who I assume is Steven Pinker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and within about, I don't know, six, seven minutes of this movie starting, Lucy, the youngest, mm-hmm. enters a wardrobe. So it needs to be stated. They're playing, so they're playing hide and go seek. Yeah. And Lucy runs off to hide and she ends up in a, in a spare room. And then it goes into a lot of slow motion. There is like there is like in like a an unfurling cloth, like slowly like a John Woo movie, like falling off of the mm, wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a beautiful, elaborate, ornate wardrobe. Like it looks just like a portal to another yeah, world. Yeah. You see that and you're immediately <laughs> like, I am going to fucking fuck up some centaurs in about five seconds. Yeah. Like, like, but it goes counter to the whole fucking point of the book. Yeah, in the book, which again, read this morning. Uh, gonna bring that up a lot. Michael's uh, very proud of himself. Yeah. Please, Guys, please I, message I, him. I read a children's book. I'm very proud. <laughs> this is the dedication that I have to this podcast. Uh, it's just a wardrobe. It's nondescript. Mm. Uh, it's intentionally nondescript. That's because, how fucking magic's supposed to be. Yeah, it is a lot more interesting that you could open up any old wardrobe and end up in a portal to another dimension. But no, this motherfucker's <laughs> got a tree carved in it. It's 18 feet tall. Yeah. Like, it is just... No, it's nicer than our fucking apartment. Don't yeah, even it's, feel like it's, it's, got it's so It's got a good. neon sign saying Narnia open now flashing above it, like a Krispy Kreme donut sign. Do you want like, to have a magical adventure? Yeah. And so Lucy wanders into this wardrobe and sort of does this transition where she steps, she's pushing her way through coach, she starts yeah. feeling cold, and all of a sudden she's in a snowy wonderland. Yes. And what's funny about that is that, uh, and I'm not trying to insult this child actor, who's actually, I think, the best actor in the movie. She's she's the only one bringing any kind Certainly of the children. Of maybe bringing more heat than, like, James McAvoy or Liam Neeson. Yeah, uh, it's like her and Tilda Swinton. Her and Tilda holding down the face. fort. For sure. Uh, but... <laughs> What they they give her this weird moment of wonder, not at the existence of a magical other dimension or other land, <laughs> but just that it's snowing. She's like really fucking into the snow. She's like a northern European child who has apparently never seen snow. Yeah, uh, she's <laughs> like, look, she came from Los Angeles, uh, <laughs> like like all screenwriters. And uh, you know, the book treats this with a, a light touch that kind of yeah. makes sense because it's a fairy tale. So you you encounter this new thing, and mm-hmm. it's just it's kind of wondrous, but you don't overplay the wondrousness. Well, and what's so brilliant about the book and all fairy tales, you know, Cecilus is drawing obviously on a deep folklore tradition. Nah, is that like children? The idea is that children can just sort of wander in and accept it. Yeah, you know, children can be whole, can sort of partake in magic. Exactly. Children, children have the connection, and exactly. and actually, that is a running theme in the whole series of books. Of course, is that uh, you know we maintain this connection to magic through intentionality and openness. And C.S. Lewis himself read fairy tales as a child and was ashamed of himself as a child and would hide away Aww. to read these fairy tales. He was worried about being seen or perceived as childish. He wanted to be worldly an adult, and only in adulthood did he kind of flip the script on that and be like, no, now I am a proud. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Anyways, Lucy meets Mr. Tumnus. Played by Sir James McAvoy. He's not Pr- a sir, but we're going to call him Sir yeah. James McAvoy. No, no, that's fine. He should be. <laughs> if anyone's going to be knighted. Super hot. Uh, James McAvoy, uh, prior getting swole, prior Professor X. Yes. Uh, so he appears and appear- seems to imprint on the child immediately and invites her to tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a scene that 
you know, they have this connection. He's an, he's shocked. He's shocked that yes. she exists. She's he, a human. He, he asks, are you a daughter of Eve? Yes. And she's like, I'm a daughter of Stacy. <laughs> like, whatever her mom's name is. I think uh, it was Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Mr. Tumnus, in the book, is initially, like, surprised and then very nice. And yes. in the movie, this is, like... I don't know. I it got just, I got heavy Lolita vibes. No, from it was this it was not cool. Like he is sort of creepy. He like brings her back to his sort of. He's hovel. like, hey, come back to my cave, and she's like, I don't know. I should be getting back, and he's like, no. He's like, come on, he's just, come on. There's a little in too much intensity. Take to this it. candy. And he brings her home, and in the book they have <laughs> at least a conversation. Yeah, it's like it it, it kind of they works. Connect. They connect. Uh, and in the but movie, in the movie, he is like staring at a picture at the wall. And she's like, oh, look at your dad. He's like, my dad was a good man. I'm not a good man. Yeah. Like, or a good fawn. I'm, my dad was a good fawn. I'm not a good fawn. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. In, this is super in this creepy. movie, because they have to preserve so much of the runtime for the shit they actually care about, which we'll yeah. get to, they have to compress what should be a moment of two beings connecting. Yep. And then he betrays her. And it's just immediate betrayal. It's just like, immediate ominous. He's yeah. so ominous. He, he is kidnapping a child. <laughs> And then drugging her with music. Yeah. No, then he makes her fall asleep. He and falls. then she falls asleep. She wakes up. It's dark. And he is wrapped around a staircase crying. No, it was... It, I know I'm a little Epstein brain. Yeah. But no, it, it is undeniably an Epstein moment where he lulls a child to sleep. And then she wakes up later. And he's like over in a corner talking about what a bad boy he's been. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. How, how did I walk into Lolita? I mean, Fawn's also, you know, if we're talking yeah. about their Historically history. Like, yeah. Greek mythology. Yeah. Anyways, props to James McAvoy for trying to give this role some, like, legs. It's amazing he became a star after this. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> this should have ended his career. Uh, but it is is—it is just in the context of, uh, admittedly, as you said, our Epstein brain self. Obviously. It is, he's just talking about how he's a kidnapper. And yeah. he's, a he's a bad fawn. He's a very bad fawn. <laughs> Isn't he such a naughty fawn? Well, and he's also shirtless the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was not complaining about that It doesn't help that he's part. not wearing clothes. Yeah, he's not. He, well, he's wearing a scarf. A scarf, yeah, a scarf and nothing it else. Better. Yeah, a scarf and no pants. Uh, you you love to see that. Yeah, it's it's very funny. There's also like a weird foppishness in both this yeah. rendition and the BBC one. He's huh. portrayed as a dandy who's the son of like a stern military father. Why and would you make that choice? I don't know why that is like such a part of this, but in both cases, like that's he's already been failing his and father his father has set the strong moral center and he is the one that can't live up it's very odd anyways mr pedophile fawn uh, <laughs> has a change of heart james grapavoy uh, oh there we go <laughs> decides that he will be a good fawn and at great personal risk takes her back to the lamppost we haven't mm -hmm. talked about the lamppost but the lamppost is sort of the the lodestone for this yeah. whole universe the bridge between worlds exactly and she manages to go back through the wardrobe mm -hmm. uh, and immediately runs into her siblings, which is why, how we learned that when you are in Narnia, no time passes Yes, in our world. So, Zach, tell me a little bit about how her siblings respond to her. So her siblings immediately just... Like, they have been traumatized by war. I'm not <laughs> sure they have been traumatized. They, they should be. Okay. They're in the, they could be at this yeah, point. They're, they're delayed. The yeah. The Nazis are at the door, man. Mm -hmm. 
they're like and and what they decide to do is yell at like a seven-year-old for saying she had for like functionally a having experience. an imaginary friend yeah like, they're like, like how dare you better it, shut the fuck up yeah and, grow up seven-year-old yeah, and and everyone gets in on it everyone's like they're piling on yeah and in the book they're a little bit more like haha very funny and then they yeah. only start to get concerned when she's like no seriously uh <laughs> but in the in the movie they're just like you dumb bitch <laughs> no, it's like and it this might be a good time to talk about the dynamic between the children. Yeah, who can let's hit only that. Only basically nag each other. Yeah, so it's a really interesting take. I think because movies in general struggle with internal conflict, of course, they had to externalize. Not even had to. They chose to externalize a lot of the conflict that takes place in the story mm-hmm. uh, between the children. Yeah. But the end result of that is the, the all of these children are just super unlikable to each well, other. Well, and like, they're unpleasant to spend time with. Yeah, well, let's start. Edmund is just, he goes from being like the slightly selfish, slightly neglected younger brother to just yeah. like an inveterate shitlord. Like, Edmund <laughs> no, is an alt-right incel from moment <laughs> one of this movie. No, he wants to be a Nazi. The yeah. only thing he likes in the first hour and a half of this movie are Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Nazis and fantasy Nazis. Like, <laughs> uh... And then, but Peter is a belligerent fucking no, asshole no, Peter, of an older brother. Peter is the English-speaking world fash. Yeah. Peter, on the other hand, is like, go to war. Do the right thing. Be orderly. My dad's gone, so I'm going to be shitty. Yeah, but also, like, I'm just going to neg my younger brother constantly. Yeah, I'm just like, going to tell these Again, something. there's no empathy that exists between these he characters. He definitely, at this time, this character would be calling his brother the F word. Like, the entire time. <laughs> and it would not be cool. Yeah, yeah. Period appropriate, but not cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then and he would then light a Susan, cigarette. <laughs> Susan is just... In the tradition of all women characters, major punishment is trying to bring any sense of logic or smartness to yep. this. Uh, to the point where, at one point, she's like, hang on, we should think about what we're doing. And Peter's like, no, you're just trying to do what you always do. Be smart. He's like, how, how dare you consider your actions? How dare you think about this? But she is a very unlikable version right, of that. Right, like, no, they, they, some, they manage to make being thoughtful shrewish yeah exactly uh and she gets negged constantly by everyone else for like trying to say anything like i don't know maybe a fantasy land to another dimension doesn't exist and they're like you dumb slut <laughs> like, it's not okay their words their words no we did not say these that. children's we would words never say that <laughs> and so the dynamic is just very unpleasant yeah and but and so what that means and we'll get into this later is that like it removes all connection spielberg understands this so well or harry potter understands this yeah. is that like to have a connection to a world that we cannot visit our connection is through these children yeah and so we have to empathize with them we have to understand them we have to love them to understand how incredible what they're doing is if we don't do that we don't give a shit this movie fails spectacularly. Storytelling. <laughs> Storytelling. <laughs> yeah, it, it loses the emotional core immediately, which yeah. I think is well, it's, yeah, exactly. it's great failing. It, it is in many ways actually incredibly faithful to its source material in terms of depicting like the plot Events. for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Often the actual dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it loses any sense of like these characters being characters or the actual themes of the story. And you felt like in the book they were they were better drawn. Oh, no, I mean reading it again, it was it was a very funny read uh, because there are some things we can talk about uh, <laughs> that maybe stood out a little more to me in my adulthood than did as a child, but for the most part it is a beautiful a beautifully told story. There is a lot of love between these characters and also like 
the main issue ultimately comes down to like simple childish selfishness in a really right. compelling way. And this movie just has none of that. But I think we should move forward. Yeah, no, let's let's push forward. So, so then Edmund finds his way into the wardrobe. Yeah, basically for whatever reason, Lucy goes back and Edmund follows suit. And Edmund goes in to make fun of her more. Yeah. Because he is such a little shitlord. <laughs> because he, Edmund in 2020 would definitely be posting on uh, our Trump Reddit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he would be on 8chan. Oh, that <laughs> Anyways, is gr- that is grim. Sir. Edmund follows and try to torture his younger sister, and ends up meeting the antagonist of this movie, Tilda Fucking Swinton, yeah. as the White Witch. The White Witch. Yeah, I have to say, I know it's on brand, but Tilda kills it. Tilda, Tilda, Tilda is rules. the best part of this movie. Uh, I'm just going to spoil one thing that comes on. Like, this movie was such a waste of two and a half hours of my life up until the point where Tilda Swinton <laughs> rides into battle on a polar bear chariot yeah a chariot being pulled by multiple polar bears while she's just like voguing yeah i mean full stop she is like she's going for she's flowing yeah tilda kills it maybe the white girl dreads not the best look in 2020 she looks good it's just questionable (laughs) i will say tilda swinton along with sam jackson one of those actors that has been the same the same age my entire life yeah she looks the same. She looks incredible. She is she is in fact eternal. Like Good for Tilda Swinton. Anyway. I like Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton is White Witch. It's an obvious choice, but it is the right choice. Yeah, but it's still the correct one. It is definitely <laughs> the correct one. And what so I found fascinating about this scene. Yes. So the White Witch, again, we have to assume that some of us have never experienced the Chronicles of Narnia. The White Witch has been uh, in control of Narnia. Yes. For the past hundred years. Mm-hmm. She has plunged the entire land into a winter where it is always winter, but never Christmas. And she rules with an iron fist. What a great line, by the way. Yeah. No, I love it. Uh, what Santa gets his cameo later. We'll get there. <laughs> and so she rides up with her <laughs> not at all problematically portrayed hyper-ragey <laughs> death dwarf. That immediately. <laughs> so good. Immediately <laughs> leaps on this child and holds a knife to his throat. Which brings me to one of the themes of this movie. Far more than the book, this movie loves putting children in mortal peril. <laughs> like It's it's a weird choice. It is it is intense how many times children are held at knife point or otherwise threatened with death. Throughout this entire thing, there's certainly danger in the book right. or even in the other renditions. But this one seems to revel in having <laughs> a little person. When I say dwarf, I'm saying he is he is playing a fantasy dwarf in this thing. But a little person just immediately being like, what if I gutted you, bitch? <laughs> like, it's awesome. And the queen has to be like, cool. hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> and then, and then the, the queen, I, I mean, it's just been in the news lately. Super just like Maxwell's the situation. Oh is like, come sit with me. In my chariot. And then she wraps him in her fur and yeah. is like stroking him basically. And she is basically interested in him because there is a prophecy that when two sons of Adam and two daughters of Eve sit on the thrones of whatever kingdom, blah, blah, blah. Care Paravel. Whatever. Whatever. Shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> when four Care Bears return to their jelly <laughs> mountain, uh, then her spell will be broken. So she sees this child. Mm-hmm. And she's immediately like, what the fuck is up? And she almost kills him herself. She's almost like, oh, this is easily handled. It's a fucking child. And then she's like, wait, 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 wait. You have brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. And then she starts grooming this child. Yeah. It just It's a full-on grooming situation. He's like, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of hungry. I could eat. And she gives him 
Turkish delight. Yeah, she gives him hot chocolate and then Turkish delight. Now so she gives a child candy, she, so he will do so what she wants. So he will bring other children to, to her, her for so that she can murder. So, uh, them. You know, oh. I was wrong. The name of the castle isn't Care Perevel. It's Saint Little Saint James. Little Saint James, <laughs> absolutely, one hundred percent. And what's amazing about this, which really I think speaks to the ways in which this movie can be both incredibly faithful and also totally miss the mark, is that in the book. The Turkish delight that mm-hmm. she gives him is enchanted. Yes, and it says you will actually keep eating it till you die. Yeah, like if you if if people keep giving it to you, and it he she is creating this need in him, and he is being selfish and gluttonous. Of course, and, and like she's like, hey, you know, I I don't have any kids myself. Maybe you could be king, and he's yeah. pretty into that because he's the neglected second child. Uh, but it's also <laughs> just about like selfishness. Mm-hmm. In the movie rendition, there's no mention of the fact that this is some mystical, enchanted Turkish delight yeah, it's just that Turkish. is creating this need in him. It's she just gave him candy, and he sells out his siblings for just regular old candy, porridge, basically. which begs the question: Why Turkish delight? It's the worst candy. I don't know about that, but it's <laughs> no. I wouldn't sell out my brother for Turkish delight. <laughs> yeah, maybe some Reese's, <laughs> like, <laughs> which, by the way, would be the Americanized version of this. <laughs> Just like, hey, want some Skittles though? Yeah. <laughs> like, Is it king size? <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Share size. You want to know how I know I'm an American? Yeah. I immediately wanted Skittles. I said Skittles, <laughs> and I immediately wanted Skittles. Uh, listen, uh, you know, not to get to um, Alan Moore on this, but words are, in fact, magic. <laughs> um, it's true. So, anyways, like, he immediately No, is- hey, I'm not done with the Turkish delight, motherfucker. You never are. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm like, all candy is enchanted. <laughs> you <will> clearly... <laughs> Michael thinks all food is enchanted. <laughs> He's like, this rice must be enchanted. Yeah. I'm just going to keep eating it till I die. Thank God I only made a cup. Still far too much rice. Anyways, uh, we're not here to talk about my unhealthy relationship to food right now. Yeah. I had a mythical relationship with Turkish Delight. Yes. Because as a small kid in the South, weirdly, I did not have a lot of access to Turkish Delight. It's one of them ethnic And foods. so I spent all of my childhood sort of putting this weight yeah. on Turkish I didn't think it was real. fucking amazing. When I read it, I assumed it wasn't real. And then I reached adulthood, and I had Turkish delight. And this is why you should never meet your heroes, because it's fucking <laughs> garbage. Now, granted, okay, now let me hold up and say, there are multiple kinds of Turkish delight. Yes. I, I think what I had the first time was like the shitty bastardized English version mm. that is essentially just yes. sugar nougat. Uh, I have since had like actual I've had it from, like, pistachio and, and saffron. That's pretty good. I have had actual Turkish delight. Totally different thing. Still not worth selling out your whole fucking family <laughs> for. But I just I love I love that they both recreated the scene. They did not want to like not have that scene, but they were not willing to actually put any of the emotional weight into it. Well, it- might be a good place to contrast with Harry Potter, yeah. which has more than its fair share of fantasy and magical delectables. Burt bots every flavor beans. Right. Uh, butter beer. Yeah. Like, I'm not even a big Harry Potter head, but like, they really... Which is helpful now. Yeah. <laughs> we, we should, we should probably... Which is good. C.S. Lewis somehow the least problematic of children's authors right now? I don't <laughs> know how that happened. Hey man, you live long enough to become the villain, you know what I'm saying? Like, It didn't... She didn't have to live that long. It's a turn hey, but it was, let me just say, parody, parody, it's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> it's been long enough. I'll say that. But, like, all these wonderful things that, like, seem delectable even on screen. Yeah. 
And like they managed to make this this like magical, wonderful candy just seem like shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Edmund ends up agreeing. To bring back his kids. To bring back his, his, his kids. <laughs> to bring oh back his kids. Uh, so the White Queen leaves. Edmund runs into his sister. And she's like, this is great. Now we can share oh, it. Oh, now, now we, you know, now you'll stop being such a little shit. And Edmund's and like, yeah. Definitely, we'll do that. Yeah. They return back to their siblings. And she's and, and Lucy is really excited. Of course she Because is. she is like, hey, look, I'm not crazy. Peer reviewed, baby. I am not having PTSD like, uh driven hallucinations edmund will tell you we were both in narnia and edmund does exactly the opposite yeah he does what you describe what the book describes as the cruelest thing yeah he he lies and just makes her seem even more crazy and he's like oh i was just playing around with her you know these kids and she is just distraught she just runs away in tears well i mean he's gaslighting her he is he is literally gaslighting her uh (laughs) They really he should is, have hired. He's lampposting her. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Peter goes on to yell at him again. <laughs> Peter, he like Peter shoves him into him a wall. Yeah, no, no. There is there is a not insignificant amount of slapping in this movie, but I think Peter might. This is like the first moment. Peter is definitely going to be a guy that when he's forty is an alcoholic and is mad because oh, no. he's just his father. Peter's straight up a cop. Like <laughs> Peter is straight up a cop. <laughs> like. Hardcore, like Peter. Peter has big badge energy. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. So, blah blah blah. Then they they finally meet the kooky professor. Oh yes, uh, <laughs> Dumber Door. <laughs> <laughs> so they meet the professor, and here we get a little tiny bit of Jesus, uh-huh. sort of incidentally, because so this is actually just the two elder siblings. Yes, they so end up bumping into the professor. So Peter and Susan sit down with the professor and they're like we think our we think lucy is insane yeah we're worried about her we should send her to one of those sanitariums where people are basically <laughs> yeah, put in chains that people never come out of yeah we she should be lobotomized we're hearing <laughs> yeah. good things about this it is, this is now sucker punch <laughs> god <laughs> yeah yeah, that's irrelevant. <laughs> you know, we're, we're staying on brand for topical references here today. I Anyways, love a deep cut. So, Professor, Professor, uh, kooky, kooky mad scientist man, who himself, we will later find out, has been to Narnia, uh, has some questions. Yeah. And he's like, well, hey, does Lucy lie a lot? Mm-hmm. And they say... No, 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 no. no. Edmund's Edmund's the fucking liar, that little shit. Yeah, fucking hate uh, Edmund. You should just go beat yeah, it right now. Yeah. <laughs> just Peter cried to his teeth as he licks a knife. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then they're like, "Well, is she crazy?" And they. By the way, I love that like they ask children whether yeah. or not they're as if they can diagnose their yeah. younger siblings. And I will point out that their actual premise in coming here is that, like, yeah, maybe she's fucking she crazy. She seems fucking crazy. And he's like, well, clearly she's not crazy because she's talking in complete sentences. Which, you know, seems like a poor <laughs> analysis. And so, and he says, well, then we must conclude that she is telling the truth. Amazing. Now, how does this relate yeah, to so, uh, Sir Jesus? Sir, <laughs> Mr. Jesus not appearing in this picture. Uh, <laughs> not directly. Yeah. Uh, so this harkens back to one of the principal uh, theories from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Yes. Liar, lunatic, or lord. Which you may be familiar with from every youth group meeting ever. Gosh, uh, it is. The premise that like, 
it, it's actually, I think, in the context of mere Christianity, it's just saying, like, hey, there's a lot of people out there that say that, like, Jesus is a good guy. He had some good ideas. Obviously, he wasn't God. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, I, I like the things he had to say. And this right. is just all that, that it's trying to do in mere Christianity is say, like, hey, actually, like, if somebody is claiming to be God. And they're not God. And they're not God. <laughs> like, he's either a liar, lunatic, or he's right. Right. And that's, that's still bad logic. Right. It's not a proof. Uh, it's not a good proof. It's not good, but it is limited. But, but, and it, but it is a good refutation of people who say, Jesus is a good dude, but I'm just not down with that. Yeah. It's, it's just trying to say, I don't know why we're defending this. We don't actually think this is a good argumentation to use, but it is, it's very specifically about like, hey, if somebody claims they're God and they're not, that's not great. Right. Um, but he's using that here to say that, like, she must be telling... There must be a fantastical land lying, on the other side of the wardrobe. it must be true. And it's just... It's a very odd usage of this. It's like, or she ingested ergot and <laughs> yeah, is yeah. accidentally having a hallucination because she's a fucking child and can't control or tell the difference between what's real and what's not. Maybe that's a possibility. You bitch. <laughs> yeah. It's just a very funny moment. Now, there is something here I, I do think is kind of beautiful that I, I think is in the book, too. Of just, like, of course. childhood whimsy and, like, mm -hmm. openness to these things. Uh, it's in the little prince, too. This idea that, like, if you yeah. close yourself off to, to these experiences, you can't have them. No, like, in the book, it kind of works. Yeah. Here, it's just, like, a two-sentence thing. Like, she's got to be right. He also specifically negs Susan super hard here, which is very funny because she's like, well, logically. And he's like, what do they teach these kids in these schools? Which at the time, I think is sort of uh, kind of whimsical. And it's hard not to hear in 2005 as maybe an attack on public schooling. Yeah, I feel there's like a, it's there's an There's some homeschool bomb energy coming yeah. into, into this moment. That's maybe me over-politicizing a movie that really genuinely, unlike every mm -hmm. other movie we covered, is not super interested in being ideological. Uh, but like, I just had my, my hackles went up for a minute. I was like, what's going on in these schools? Yeah. You never, you never want that. Um, so, let's move forward. So they're playing cricket, a game for traitors and royalists. We all agree. Hey, 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 hey. Technically Americans were the traitors. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they, they break a window and they're running away from the, like the servants. Or yeah. Whatever. They're running away from responsibility for their actions. <laughs> you know, like all middle class people. And they end up all four in the wardrobe. Yep. They finally are all here. 40 fucking minutes into it, they all get into Narnia. Does it take that long? It takes, I looked. It takes 40 minutes for them to Jesus. get to Narnia. Uh, to get everyone to Narnia. Yeah. Uh, magical other land. Yeah. You have entered and the other world. <laughs> and somehow, again, the thing that they are most <laughs> impressed by is the snow. And they start having a snowball fight. Not only are they having a snowball fight, but for some reason, they are just smashing snowballs into each other's faces. Which is not how you snowball fight. I know. Yeah. I got in trouble for it. I want to say as a person who spent some of his childhood in places with snow, do not throw out the face. It's like rule number one. It, it's just very funny how they're like portraying it as like, oh, it's so cute. They're having so much fun. Meanwhile, just like sharp ice being <laughs> driven into eyeballs. Like, Blood. Like, anyways. It's, it's, it's not cool. It just goes back to like, why is the fantasy snow and not this other world? Anyway, so, they all apologize. Yes, to Lucy. To Lucy. And then they yell one more time, Peter berates Edmund yet again. Yeah, this is maybe the only time it makes sense because he has right. been being a gaslighting little shit, but it is still super intense. My favorite detail from this I want to pull though is they decide because it's cold and wintry to grab the fur coats. Yes. And wear them. And P and, and Peter hands them out. And then Edmund's like, you gave me a girl's coat. Oh, I forgot And then Peter's this. like, yeah, I did. 
and it's just like oh it gosh, is that's so, so icky. icky. In Why? A, Why? In a movie that largely manages to be incredibly yeah. inoffensive, like using the idea yeah, of yeah, you girl clothes. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a really weird burn. Um, yeah, it doesn't work, and it's not in the book. No, it's not. It's not. In the book, they have this delightful debate about whether that would constitute stealing or not, and they decide that they can't be accused of taking like coats out of the wardrobe if the whole world is in the wardrobe, and it's just delightful. And then they play some like really stupid fucking ethereal music, and they oh, yeah, go the music and all of this go to find Tumnus. Yeah, so so Lucy's very excited to introduce them all to her fond friend. <laughs> she she brings them to the to an estate on the Upper East Side where Tumnus obviously lives. And he's been taken by what I assume is the Southern District of New York. Yeah, yeah. Well, in in this movie, it's the Gestapo, the Wolf Gestapo. Yes. Uh, and they make a point of uh, being... Because, okay, the place is ransacked. Yes. Tumnus is gone. Yep. And there is a sign on the door saying that he has been taken by the police. Uh, at which point, one of the girls is like, should we go to the authorities? And someone else is like, these were the authorities. <laughs> which... I feel like he's trying to make it about World War II, kind of, but, like, anyway. Fuck the police is the official stance of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So, Mr. Tumnus has been taken, and then they uh, are trying to figure out what they need to do. There's some discussion about, like, well, clearly shit's a little fucked up here, so maybe we should just move on back. <laughs> and at that point, uh, a beaver appears. <laughs> and the beaver is a talking beaver. Yeah. Uh, the beaver's name, also, Mr. Beaver. Which... Feels rude. Tumnus had a Tumnus wasn't Tumnus named Fawn. Yeah, no, it, it's only weird because why the fuck wouldn't he have a normal name? Is every beaver named Mister and or Mrs. and or non-binary <laughs> beaver? Other beavers. <laughs> There's talking blue collar beavers whom I fucking loved in the book, and I still think they are moderately charming yeah, here. In in the interest of fairness, this is maybe the most successful this movie gets with its adaptation because the beavers are sort of a made a little bit of a bigger character than book mm. and they're 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 jokey but they're sort of likably jokey and they're like vaguely cockney accents and... yeah they, and, and they like love each other yeah like the only relationship that works in this entire fucking movie are mr and Is mrs peter and the centaur okay we'll get that's, there. that's true but the only the uh, the other relationship that works are the beavers they seem like they they, they they mr and mrs beaver love each other yeah i also just you you can't hate a movie that's like having an argument between siblings about whether or not they should trust the talking beaver like it's impossible to hate that movie entirely that's true that's true. Uh, so they decide to follow the beaver because the beaver has the handkerchief that lucy gave mr that's thomas right. to comfort him when uh, she left him to his death, <laughs> yeah. Which he, <laughs> to be when, fair, he when, deserved. Yeah, when he was when he was arrested. Yeah. Anyways, they go back to his. I'm gonna say Barrow, but it, that's not what it is. His his dam, his, his home. Den. And so he's built like a nice sort of cozy house. Yeah, thing they're all hanging out. His, his sort Mrs. Of den. Beaver is cooking up some food. Uh, yeah. There is a very funny moment where the women are immediately sent to help with dinner. <laughs> It's just Walden like, media. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trad wifery. It starts young. Uh, I mean, it, it does. <laughs> and so then he talks about Aslan. Yes. Yeah, so this is this is when this is when they're all introduced to the concept of uh, Jesus. Yeah, lion Jesus. <laughs> just like the lion, New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> what if all this time Trump meant lion, New York Times, oh, and he, it was an actual lion? Rawr. Uh, <laughs> So, anyways, uh, they're talking about Aslan. He's Tom gonna bring Aslan. it back. This is when they get into he's, the prophecy. He's returned. There's a prophecy. Yeah, you, you guys are all Neo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's there's not just the one. There's the four. And uh, exactly. Uh, 
And while they're having this conversation and talking about, hey, we need to get you to Aslan, yeah. uh, Edmund yeah. sneaks out the back. Just full on is like, I don't know about this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, this know, is, I don't know about these Trixie this Beavers. This is not Turkish delight. Yeah, yeah. Edmund voted for Brexit. <laughs> he thought the I Beavers mean, were taking over his country. <laughs> Edmund thought the buildings they built just didn't really fit in the neighborhood. <laughs> Anyways, Edmund sneaks out the back. She So he goes to the ice castle, which should be fucking cool. Like, I'm going to contrast it here with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings did such good work with its setting. Yeah, uh, so so he goes to her ice palace. And it looks like shit. And I, I don't want to just bag on bad effects, because effects are always of their time. And Marvel yeah. movies still look bad. Fuck you. Yeah, well, totally. Uh, this is clearly not just a 2005 it's problem. It's not just, but it's like boring. It's just ice and some frozen statues yeah so they take this very fantastic story and yeah. they, they do in many ways the most boring bog standard fantasy take on it it just looks it mm. looks like every every shitty dnd campaigns yeah. like necromancer plays but also this is a movie who they spent 180 million dollars making this movie and the vast majority of it looks like absolute horseshit the amount of green yeah. screen aggressive bad green screen and this fucking movie is really crazy they they can't effectively make anything seem cold yeah at no point in this movie do any of these children ever shiver yeah i mean it has what i like to call sort of small screen syndrome where the shot small shot syndrome where every shot is just a main character and like two feet to the right and left and that's it and it's trying to be like look at this cool world there's like half a centaur in the shot yeah they, sh they like, shot this in new zealand i this fucking assumed it was like upstate new york i kept expecting them to go around and see bill stadium like yeah. it was super weird it was very strange if you do a location shoot i mean think about mm -hmm. how much lord of the rings got from its new zealand like yeah shooting location oh my, well oh my gosh so much magic yeah and there's just none of that on display here it's Ever. amazing because they clearly are swaggerjacking. They're swaggerjacking New Zealand, but, but they don't even get the swagger. But they might as well have been shooting in anyone's backyard. I thought like, you you talked you said this. I thought it was like outside Vancouver where they shoot like the psych movies, yeah. which still look better. <laughs> then he meets Mr. Wolf's police chief. Yep, Mr. Uh, Himmler Wolf. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the wolf brings him to the queen. Mm -hmm. And he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm back." And back. Where my candy at? I will say it's pretty pimp that he does sit in the throne before the queen shows up. <laughs> it's a pimp move, Edmund. Respect it. She shows up and she just excoriates him for not bringing, for not trafficking children. This, mm -hmm. is, this is a mm -hmm. movie about the trafficking of children. Yes. And he's like, well, I brought them halfway. And she's like, fine, we'll go get them. Yeah. And she sends the wolf Gestapo to go get uh, the siblings at the, uh, the beaver dam. Exactly. So this is weird. We don't want to get hung up on effects, but this is actually strange the yeah. way they shoot this entire sequence of wolves chasing them, uh, uh, chasing the other children until they escape. Yes. Yeah, so the children and the beavers are now trying to make their way out uh, away because they, they know immediately that Edmund yes. has betrayed them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're just like they that just little assume fucker. He's always been trying to yeah. give us over to the Nazis. <laughs> exactly. In, the, in reality, he was one of the guys, the co-breakers in, in Britain. He was... 
Edmund was one of the people the Codebreakers were trying to catch sending secrets to Nazi Germany. Uh, Edmund, the actor, also now works for the Conservative Party in oh, as a political man. advisor. So, yeah, kind of. That's not fun. <laughs> That's not a fun detail. Uh, whimsy, whimsy. Life imitates art. So the wolf attack. What's weird, what is weird about the wolf attack is they shoot real wolves mm-hmm. and CGI wolves. Sometimes in the same shot. Yeah, it's a really poor choice. <laughs> so strange. So these like CGI wolves are like snarling and scary. Yeah. But then they'll cut away to a real wolf that just looks like my parents' German shepherd, just like looking down a hole. And I'm like, yeah, I like that wolf. That wolf seems cool. Yeah. <laughs> All of these wolves, like when they're using the real one, it's just like, hey, look at the cute little doggy. Look at like, dog. I like actual dogs. wolves are not intimidating on screen nope. they, they are intensely intimidating <laughs> creatures i have i have in real life i have had the opportunity to care for a full blood wolf nice uh that appeared in children's movies and that's the only way that this guy was able to get his hands on it but it, it is a very intimidating creature as nice as it was in person sure but on screen they just look like dogs yeah on screen it's just like i want to be friends with this dog i was reading a little bit about the production of this movie and uh they had to fight tooth and nail to get these wolves like shipped in Oh. Uh, for this picture to New Zealand. Yeah, because wolves are not in, in, indigenous to New Zealand. Uh, so they they got these wolves. They did all of this they work to wolves. get the wolves, smuggle the wolves into New Zealand, <laughs> only for it to be like a really unpleasant effect because there's nothing worse than having the fake thing and the real thing right next to each other so you can delineate all the teeny <laughs> tiny differences between them. Yeah, you have to pick one. Yeah, clearly you have to pick one. And frankly, for this picture, you have to pick the CG wolves. Yeah, because like the CG wolves also talk but the real wolves are just, like, like whining like a pup. Mm-hmm. It's just like, but I like, like, we live with a dog. What are you doing? Yeah, so when wolves come into peril later in this picture, that doesn't feel so pleasant. It, it, it really, truly doesn't. Anyways. So they escape from the wolf, the weird wolf attack. And then, Michael, the mo- the worst part of this film occurs. <laughs> They've escaped from the wolf. A a talking fox helps them escape. Yeah, the, the fox is a total addition. It's really weird. He's like a spy fox. Uh, sort of. There's, like weird torturing the fox to try to get him to betray them it doesn't matter then what's next santa appears yeah santa, no, santa Michael, what here. happens with santa okay so like this actually kind of works in the book oh it totally works because in the book. like it's always winter but never christmas fucking incredible and so wow. when they have this moment where santa shows up they realize that like the witch's right. spell is starting to weaken and it's this really empowering moment and it's attaching this thing that we all have a connection mm-hmm. to to this magical world and it, it sort of talks about like how he is jolly, but he's also kind of intense. And yeah. there's like there's this real like I don't know Santa's seen some shit, but like <laughs> actually encountering the, the reality of a thing, and it's not just ho ho ho. Uh, in this picture, yeah, he's a, just a, an old man with a beard and some shabby robes that shows up a, to <laughs> give all of these children weapons and then disappear <laughs> into the night forever. I'm not sure that was Santa. I yeah. think it just was a dude who's arming children. No, it I think is... that was General Butt Naked from Liberia. It's <laughs> yeah. like being like, go to, go yep. to war. Yep. Uh, it is a really strange scene in this thing. So he gives Peter a sword and a shield. Mm-hmm. He gives uh, Susan a bow and arrow. Uh, that I guess uh, he's like these. This bow does not easily miss. So like Susan, I don't know. Peter doesn't get a cheat bot like helping him like do this. <laughs> yeah, he does. Like, like what is the like? He doesn't get a handicap. Like it's that. so it's so weird that Susan gets the easy mode bow, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then uh, Lucy gets both a little dagger and a cordial 
where like a drop can heal somebody yes they're not dead okay really weird in the book it kind of feels very enchanting yeah it, it feels it feels like uh they're being drawn into this world and, and that plays by its own rules Exactly. And here it is just an old man showing up to give children weapons of war and send them off to die. Uh, <laughs> and also, leaving before the, the war. The beavers get no gifts in the movie and they get gifts in the book. Yeah. Fuck yeah, they like, do. Like, listen, here's the thing. These kids, they got a fucking Christmas last year. That beaver, Those beavers have not had Christmas for a hundred fucking years. Why don't they get presents? Hard on that. This is Chewbacca all over again. I will not stand for it. <laughs> Anyways, weird Santa. I really Just unnerving. It's so strange that they decided to be like, you know what's really gonna make this Santa hardcore? Fuck a red robe. Santa's the easiest thing to get right. Yeah. That's what makes this so bad. Oh, we forgot the Santa chase scene. They're I like running across a lake for no reason because they think it's the White Witch, but actually it's Santa. And then they have a full-on cribbed Lord of the Rings shot, uh, where they are all like cowering under a little ledge. Yeah, Santa the Nazgul is hunting for them. <laughs> and it's it's shot for shot, Fellowship yeah, of no. the Ring. And, and and it's this like Hollywood thing where they just like decide that like this scene needs tension. It's the, it needs tension instead of magic. I think that's a very good point. They they they're they're not ultimately making a fantasy movie, they're making an action adventure. Yeah, they want it to be a thriller. Uh, which is like, why? Why do you need that? Yeah. So Santa Santa the arms dealer just rolls on his merry way. <laughs> and then they just there's a sequence. Or they just end up in a river. Oh, this is maybe the worst part of the whole movie. This is the worst part of the whole movie. Because one, not that it would matter, but none of this appears in the book. Second, the wolves catch up to them. Yes. And this is the point. This is the this is where the wolf gives the pitch. He's like, hey, man, this isn't your fight. Yeah. What are you doing here? Mm-hmm. All we want you to do is go home. He, The wolf is like... We're going to build a wall. It's going to be a great <laughs> yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Narnia for Narnians. <laughs> <laughs> and then Peter has the first chance to draw his sword, which brings us to Peter's relationship with his sword, which is hilarious. Every time Peter holds his sword, including in the last battle, it's it, it looks like he's never held something that weighs more than three or four pounds. Peter wields his sword like a laser pointer. Peter the wields only his thing. sword like a dildo. <laughs> like he is just trying no, to no, use it. No, because you do things with dildos. He does fucking <laughs> nothing with this sword. Uh, so he's a, just, a dildo is a useful object. That's right. Uh, so he's just pointing the sword at this yeah. wolf. And then, of course, the river ice breaks. Yep, and they just all And end they are up. washed away in the most underwhelming like torrent of water of all time like they're washed it away looks, what appears to be a stream yeah it looks like a wave pool and they realize this is happening and peter takes his sword and plunges it into the piece of ice that they're on and he's like hold on to me this is the only way we'll survive and then they go on a gentle swell yep and end up 10 feet down river <laughs> but somehow all the wolves are gone all the wolves have been washed away and lucy is gone yeah and then... And there's a moment where Susan and Peter mm -hmm. get up on the shore, and then Peter just holds up Lucy's coat, and it's <laughs> empty. <laughs> and she's like, how could you? Yeah. What have you done? As if, <laughs> like, as if, like, 
Peter like personally okay. chucked her off the ice floe. I was like, damn. The only thing that Peter did was try his best to save them. He did it terribly because right. he's terrible. But all but of his all terrible. He did more than she did to try to like save them. And all she can do is just neg him and to immediately be like, it's your fault she's dead. That's why they got married. <laughs> And then, of course, Lucy comes wandering, wandering out. Uh, they should all be dead from hypothermia and frostbite at this point. Anyway, it's still very cold and snowy. They've been drenched in this thing. Their coats are no longer mm. useful. They're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Walking. They should be dying of hypothermia, but who cares? So the kids are finally brought to the camp for war, which has like... Like, sort of like circus tents and like very jaunty flags flying. Yeah, so they, they make it to Aslan. Yes. And Aslan has been busy gathering an army. Of course. And this is maybe where you finally start to see where the budget went. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, after like being sub BBC 80s level, oh, yeah, of this, like. You know what this reminded me the most of? It reminded me of Once Upon a Time on ABC. <laughs> That's very true. Which does not have uh, a generous budget at all. I, I love that you've watched that. Motherfucker. It's once upon a time. <laughs> like, so they finally make it to Aslan. He's surrounded by all these mythical creatures. Uh, it's a very... This this part actually kind of worked for me, not because it's necessarily good, but because I really like the idea of like animals and mythical creatures all just sort of hanging out together. Yeah, I mean, and, because it's a cool idea in the fucking book. Yeah, and they, they do a good job of like, here's a fucking pelican. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just like, just like here's a rhino random animals this yeah. rhino is fucking lit yeah that that rhino is gonna fuck shit up later let the, me tell the you the rhino is cool though uh, <laughs> so they and make, then like griffins yeah they're exactly which exactly. are minotaur, awesome uh, minotaurs are bad uh we'll get to that uh but there's lots of centaurs uh <laughs> yeah. there is one centaur mm-hmm. uh who looks not unlike the rock and basically plays that role for the rest of this movie <laughs> pretty good uh, <laughs> in 2005 you might could have gotten the rock it's a shame <laughs> anyways and then we meet god yes so aslan lion jesus is an animated golden lion voiced yeah, totally, by liam neeson uh, the way god will inevitably be yeah god as it turns out kind of racist a little bit problematic yeah. although if you look at the history of creation Liam Neeson shows up again. Peter, what are you doing, buddy? Because he just like pulls out his sword for yeah. no reason. Every time Peter pulls out his sword, it looks like he is showing that he has a sword. Yeah, he's like, like look at my sword. Look at, look at this object. Hello, everyone. He, he looks like he's showing it on the QVC network. <laughs> yes. Four easy payments of twenty nine ninety nine. You too can be a king of Narnia. Yeah, he it's super he t- awkward. He talks the lion. The mouth moves too much. You know, in the scale of how we portray talking dogs on film it's definitely the like trying to mimic human mouth motions yes in a way that just super does which work. is a thing disney still hasn't learned the lesson of in yeah. lion king where exactly. it's like look at this photorealistic lion also speaking in american english yeah and doing it really weirdly <laughs> so awkward so they meet aslan and in the book this is really set up as like the minute they see him they have this connection with yeah him because again Lion, he's got lion jesus uh but like <laughs> here he's just a lion yeah, he's just a he's lion what talks he's just he's just, just qui Gon jinn with even longer hair like it <laughs> he's do- qui Gon jinn with not quite as long hair <laughs> <laughs> and so it just uh, he's qui Gon jinn also trafficking boys <laughs> <laughs> it's staying very on brand liam neeson <laughs> Uh, Taken Taken was just his apology tour <laughs> for, for, for Phantom Menace. And then they do war practice. That's right. 
So so they so they do the Rocky style practicing for war. Yeah, and like Susan is shooting her bow, and the weirdest thing though is Lucy. Yeah, Lucy, the nine year old. <laughs> she's so she's so little. She she turns into Arya Stark in this moment. No, it's immediately. So she, they're out. Susan shooting. She's doing okay. She's getting like near the bullseye. Right. It cuts to uh, Lucy smiling, and then you just see a knife go. Want to say I, I don't bring this up to sound like I'm cool. I have done some mild knife throwing <laughs> because my fa- don't worry that does not make you sound cool. Because my family, you know, they live in the woods. Yeah. And <laughs> knife throwing from like ten feet away, super hard. They're like forty feet fucking away, oh, and this minimal. child, this like seven year old, is like whipping a dagger and hitting a bullseye. Yeah, like dead sinking center. it. And again, what's amazing about this is twofold. One. It's a skill she should not have. No. Nowhere in Narnia does it say, no. now you're a sick, mad knife thrower. That is not in the deep magics. Uh, two, it's a skill she never uses. No. There's no, no point. point. And no point does it come up again. She never throws a knife. Ever. At no. any point. It's it's Chekhov's knife. But he's like, nah, that shit jam, though. <laughs> it just makes no sense. It's just it's just a boss bitch moment for the nine year old girl whose whole thing is that she gentleness and love is what has brought her this <laughs> yeah, far. Yeah, she can heal. Yeah. Anyways, they're trying to make these girls hardcore warriors, but they never actually let them do a war. Nope. <laughs> All of a sudden, the girls are being attacked by wolves. Yep. And Susan blows a horn that she's been given, mm-hmm. and the lion hears the horn and he's like, "Peter, time to earn your stripes." And it turns out earning your stripes mean killing the shit out of a wolf. So, like, they clear out, the like, the centaurs and shit clear out the rest yeah, of the wolves. So, and so then Peter is standing there shaking, holding his sword with both hands directly out in front of him, the way you do. Uh, hilariously, there are two wolves, and Aslan just straight pins one for no reason. Yeah, it's just like, boom. All right. And then he's Got like... Got him. But then he holds everyone back, and he's like, no, let this child do it. <laughs> what we need is a boy to kill a dog. Yeah. Uh, let the prince earn his spurs. And so then, yeah, we get to a hilariously terrible battle sequence where, again, what does Peter do? He just points a sword at the wolf. And you might think that he would swing the sword at some point. No. But no, that never happens. The wolf literally impales itself on the The wolf sword. is, like, lecturing him. He's like, and I'm coming for you. And he leaps onto the sword and dies. Peter Never even moves the sword. Every dog I've known would do a better job than this wolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a, an actual wolf and or dog would fuck you up. Peter yeah. does nothing. The dog just leaps on the sword and dies. <laughs> it's, it, uh, and it's kind of sad because it looks like he's just impaled the dog. Yeah, and, 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 and then there's just a dead a dog in front of you. Of heroism. Yeah, and everyone's cheering. And then Aslan knights him for killing a dog. <laughs> uh, Aslan also negs Peter for not cleaning his sword, but hilariously, there is no blood in this movie. There's so zero his sword blood. is not actually dirty. At least, like, the BBC version let there be a little blood on the sword so that line made sense. It did. Now now that Peter is a dog murderer, we can cut back to Edmund. Edmund's been having a rough go of it. He's just been a prisoner. Uh, so he's just tied up against a tree. Then he's being dragged around. Again, just being menaced by a little person the entire time. There's, like, 30 minutes of this movie as a child <laughs> just, being menaced by a little person with a knife. Yeah, it's For some so reason, I was like, weird. this is more fucked up than anything in Imbrude. Oh, Tilda Swinton actually does bitch slap him. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was cool. That does happen. <laughs> and then, and so she's trying to hunt down these kids and she's just dragging them along. And then uh, there's a rescue attempt. Yes. Mythical creatures show up to save him. When they arrive. Yes. 
the little person is again. It's just like there's no scene that happens. They just show up and the little person has a knife to Edmund's throat. Like this is just a thing he does for fun all the fucking time. There is a version of this movie that is in uh Epstein's safe. Like it is like really fucked up stuff. And so, yeah, they've rescued Edmund. Edmund and Aslan have a little heart to heart. We don't ever see that or yeah. hear that. And then Aslan just comes up and he's like, we don't need to talk about it. He tells all of the <laughs> other does. siblings, you don't need to talk about it. What's past is past. And it's just a very funny, like, uh, that is not restorative justice, Aslan. <laughs> like, it's actually really important that we, like, converse about these things. This was the 40s in Britain. That was the most emotional conversation that had ever been written. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so they reunite. And it seems like everything is good. But then the White Witch arrives. So she just, like, walks up for parlay. They're going to yep. talk. And she's talk. like, hey, Aslan, etc. at all, you owe me the boy. Yeah. The boy is a traitor, and all traitor's blood belongs to me. Yes. Uh, Which is cool. According, yeah, it's a cool idea. It's, no, it's, I mean, it gets it's from the, the deep book. magic. Yeah, yeah obviously, everything good in this fucking movie But, is like, from the yeah, book. it's basically there's a deep magic, and everybody, like, bad or traitorous belongs to her. So you can kill him at will. Basically, her life is forfeit for her. His life is forfeit for her. Yeah. She 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 refers to like, I own his blood, which yeah. is just a good line. Cool. Now, like we can get into how this is like a pretty obnoxious take on original sin. It's like sure. very on the nose, but it's a cool scene. But and, and the, the the movie mostly the book especially earns it because like he did sin. Like he yeah. is a humanized character in the book. But like, yeah, he fucked up. He tried to sell his he tried to sell his He tried to his child trafficking. <laughs> he was literally child trafficking in every sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, and so then Aslan and the White Witch have a parlay mm -hmm. uh, in in a tent, and everyone's sort of like, "Oh, I don't know, is this kid gonna die?" <laughs> and we're just <laughs> Which like is cool. hanging around, being like, "I don't know if the kids are gonna make it." <laughs> Might happen. Uh, and they come out, and Aslan's just like, "It's cool, we handled it. Don't worry about it." Uh, and she has forfeited her claim. Yeah, she has forfeited her claim on his life. Now we in the audience sort of get a feeling that maybe something else is going on here. But, but everyone has a party. But yeah, everyone's busy just like freaking out. Like celebrate just starts to play. Uh, dun, uh, and dun, then there's a dun. really funny moment uh, that really I think speaks to the failures of CG yeah. in this movie. Because in the in the book and the movie, there's a moment where as she's leaving, she turns around. And she says, how will I know that you'll be true to your word? Mm -hmm. How do I know you will hold to your promise? And in the book, he roars. Yeah. And there's just this immensely powerful thing of like, how dare you insinuate that like mm -hmm. I would I would not be true to my word. And that happens in the movie and it fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like his roar is like Simba's first roar in The Aww. Lion King. It's just like so weak need and it just really speaks to how bad they are at conveying any of the magic that goes into this. So Yeah, it's 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 supposed to be mythic. It is yeah. supposed to like just like shake everyone to their core because like they talk about Aslan, they say he is not he is he's dangerous. He is yeah, dangerous. yeah, they, they say he's he's not he's not safe, but he's good. It's like that's a fucking great description. Yeah, that that's uh, I you, love it. And you never get a sense that Aslan is anything but safe in this fucking. No, I movie. mean honestly, like Tiger King is a lot more mythic than this movie ever could be. Don't get me talking about the Tiger King. Okay? <laughs> we already did that episode, Ali. So Aslan has forfeited his life. This is one of the few scenes that kind of works. So okay. Aslan is led to the slaughter. He is like walking through the woods and Lucy and Susan walk with him for a while. And then he's like, yo, peel off. I got to go do this thing. Yeah. 
So then Aslan is led to the stone table. A super fucking cool thing in the book. Yeah. Here, it's okay. It's cool. But the scene around it is pretty good. There's, like, all these, like, ghouls and spooks and sort of, like, demonic creatures. Mm -hmm. And he is, like, walking up these stone steps and they're, like, all taunting him and holding sort of, like, torches. Yeah, it is is pagan. It does actually achieve for a brief moment fantasy. Yeah, it does. And it does feel pagan. And, like... As this, like, giant white, it's the, snow white woman is standing on top of a, like, altar. That's yeah, good. and it's the only time you ever see any sort of creature design yeah. in this thing that mm-hmm. isn't immediately recognizable as, like, the most basic take on this thing. Like, totally. The centaurs just look like fucking centaurs. But there's, like, there's actually some weird creature design going on here mm-hmm. and some interesting stuff. And there's, like, shrieking. And it does, it does for a brief moment feel like something... A tiny bit otherworldly. No, and it's... then he they lead him to the stone tablet that the rules for the world are inscribed yes, upon. The ma- the deep magic. The deep magic is written upon this uh, this table, uh, and he is bound, mm-hmm. uh, shaved, and shaved, and dragged. And this is actually maybe the only moment the CG in the whole movie works for me because they like just drag him across the ground mm-hmm. and then like drag him up onto the yeah. table and like you do kind of feel it you feel that moment where like they're having to like pull all of his weight up over it mm-hmm. and uh they actually kind of nailed that and then tilda just gets to do her villain speech and it's it's glorious no tilda kills it she she basically uh says like i'm gonna win you're gonna die and yeah. then i'm gonna kill the kids anyway yeah 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 you think you think your sacrifice is going to like save them like psh. I also love, so she, she stabs him in the heart with a knife, but she doesn't just stab him in the heart with a knife. She's like, despair and die. And then she basically does an elbow drop off the top mm-hmm. rope, like shout outs to our wrestling episodes. That's right. But like, she like full body drops yep. that knife into his chest. Of course, you don't actually see it, but like you see her just be like, wham. Uh, and it's pretty good. No, it is good. Talks about despair. It's like, it's a good sort of dark moment. Yeah. It, and, it, and it has some some heft to it when the rest of the movie feels sort of featherweight. Exactly. So the kids, the, the girls come up and they cry on him because he's dead. Yeah. And they dead let him actually corpse. be dead. They, they do let him be dead for, yeah, a little bit. Not long enough, obviously. But, like, they let him be dead. And uh, they use the trees to tell the camp that, the uh, that, that like, Aslan has died. And mm-hmm. they have to go to war anyway. And now... Before before even the resurrection, we get the start of the battle. Peter is now leading this army. Yeah, Pe- it, Peter, Mr. Sword Pointer himself. It makes sense that you would want a like 15-year-old boy. A 15-year-old boy with one wolf suicide to his name is now yeah. leading this whole army. And I just need to be clear. I just couldn't understand why this movie was whiffing on so many things. Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's so long, and yet it still just doesn't manage to do what it needs to do for the vast majority of it. And then you hit this moment, and you're like, oh, yeah, this entire movie makes sense now. Because they built this entire movie mm-hmm. around this scene. The battle. The fucking endless battle. The fucking 30-minute insane CG extravaganza, multi-stage, multi-tier, nonsense fest of just endless, endless war that clearly soaked up all the budget, mm-hmm. all the time. And when I was, I knew that this was not a big, as big a thing in no. the book. What I did not realize is that in the book, this entire scene is literally two paragraphs. 
paragraphs. No fucking way. That's great. Two paragraphs. Yeah, I don't remember much from it. Which that's to because tell you that. nothing happens. Like like it in the book, they're just fighting, and then Aslan shows up and kicks ass. In the movie, <laughs> you have to have this whole elongated. I mean, it is basically the two towers scene. Yeah. No, it's Helm's Deep. Can't. I cannot fucking believe you wouldn't just say Helm's Deep. Okay. Helm's Deep. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it is. I mean. It, and it learns all the wrong lessons from Lord of the Rings. It learns it thinks, so many wrong lessons. What it, thinks, what it thinks what people love about Lord of the Rings are 30-minute battle sequences instead of, like, warm, funny characters they like having an adventure and being put in peril. Yes. And but, so, it, but it thinks, like, what I love are, like, 30 minutes of, like, knife play. Which, to be fair, Amer- the world did love this movie, so they whatever. Did. It's fucking nonstop. It's fucking nonstop. So Peter and, like, his centaur guy... Are there before yeah, they go. The and rock the rock centaur. The rock centaur. And they love each other. Oh, yeah. There's this... They've never spoken to they each other before. Met, basically. At all. This is like a first Tinder date. <laughs> and and Peter just looks to him and he's like, are you with me? And he's like, unto death. And it's just like... Uh, That's weird. That's weird, bro. Yeah, you don't know this dude. Like, what's the deal? Like... And you've got this giant myth- mythical army, blah de blah blah And the odds even... are low. And they all just run towards each other. And there's, like, all these plans, like, oh, we're going to, like, shoot arrows. We're going to draw them into the rocks. It's, and it just takes fucking forever. It and takes it's... forever. And it's and now here's our surprise griffin rock dropping right. section. And now here's our archers. And now, like, things that try to make the battle seem strategic or interesting. But they just fucking aren't. I because mean, what it ends up being is slightly shaky cam footage of like cartoons walloping each other. And that's it. That's all the that fucking happens. Honestly, Peter doesn't even really participate until like the back third of this thing. No, so there's 20 minutes. He doesn't even get a Braveheart speech. No. He doesn't get to say anything. He's just he his entire involvement until the very end of this thing is pointing a sword yep. to unleash the griffins. It is one of the worst things I have ever seen. It deeply yeah. misunderstands. How do you fuck up griffins? I love griffins, man. Griffins rat rock. This is maybe the point. Yes, this is get... a good time to talk about the essentialism in this universe. Yeah, this is very funny. Uh, so in this movie, <laughs> in this movie, every species is either good or bad. Well, yeah, like science. <laughs> Beavers, good. Rhinos, good. Yep. Apes, bad. Uh, tigers, bad. Tigers, Wol- bad. Wolves. Lions, good. Wolves, cheetahs, bad. also good. Yeah. Why are cheetahs good and tigers bad? I, I'm just going to say it. I trust uh, cheetahs a lot less than I trust tigers. Cheetahs seem shifty. Yep. Like, like come on. Like, They're just small enough to get to, to be tricksy. And, like, why are there so many of them on the Supreme Court? I just, <laughs> I don't get that. You know? Like, <laughs> you never see mm-hmm. a single species that has nope. uh, members on both sides of the it's conflict. So funny. Which is to say that whether they meant to or not... The world is devolved into uh, is separated into moral absolutes of good and bad creatures. I mean, it's 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 not only our racist absolute; it's that creature creatures are also racialized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creatures are essentialized. Uh, it is <laughs> hilarious. The book is a little better at this. Like, you know, it talks about like the trees. Some of the trees are on her mm. side. Like, you at least acknowledge that like these <laughs> things have individual agency, and there's just none of that in this. Uh, and the kids don't even participate, so it's just 30 minutes of various CG Ver- animals slash mythical beasts. That we have no relationship to, and walloping on each other. Walloping on each other. And the 
they try so hard with this CG combat to make it interesting and compelling. Mm-hmm. And there's like rhinos charging in and oh, the centaur. There is so much slow motion. Oh my God. There is so much of people just charging. So fast forward 30 minutes of 30 nonstop. 30 fucking happens. A full almost quarter of this movie's runtime <laughs> is on this one scene that was two paragraphs, which retroactively makes me understand why every other part of this movie feels rushed and pointless. Well, there was no, and, and not only did they not spend money on it, which is a real thing, there's yeah. no love. You know what I mean? There's no creative love. There's no warmth. All they did was just like copy paste the book and be like, well done yeah cool now we cut back to susan and lucy Mm -hmm. who have decided it's time to to leave aslan only to find boom the table cracks and then aslan walks through a thomas kincaid painting and appears Uh, through a beam of sunlight you know god rays uh literally god rays straight up god rays and it's like bitch i'm fine yeah also his mane that had been shaved magically just reappears which is Super funny because like Jesus kept the scars in his hands, but Lion Jesus, he's not fucking around with that look, shit. Look, did you want him to be bald? Thrilled. Uh, they're like, how did this happen? You were definitely dead. Uh, he's like, well, okay, there was some deep magic, mm-hmm. but there's also some deeper magic. If you don't do anything wrong, you get to come back, and the the table of the rules of the universe itself will break, and time will move backwards and blah blah. Hooray! I'm, I'm fine, bitch. Yeah. Uh, and then the Roman soldiers run away. <laughs> uh, and so then Aslan is like, all right, time to save these useless, you know, army these that I've assembled. Bags that I have, yeah. like, sent to their doom. Yeah, that are all going to die. So he hilariously goes not to the battle, but to... Ice, uh, the ice, the ice castle. The White Witch's castle. Yeah, and then he, like, resurrects everybody by breathing on them. Yeah, so I don't even know if we've covered too much that she turns people to stone with her wand. We have it. But all of those statues in her courtyard were just beings that she had actually turned to stone yeah uh, and she's doing this all throughout the battle too yeah she's she's just stoning people like like a mother she stones centaur peter's yep. lover I know, it's um, sad it's uh he he has this like super courageous charge where mm-hmm. he's like taking out all these other enemies and the big angry minotaur that's been sort of the other chief bad guy this whole time and then she she stones him aslan shows up and then we need to talk about the white witch a little bit mm-hmm. she like we said, she's just voguing. She is just like, yes. Uh, she's just like throwing her arms around on her chariot. I'm pretty sure she thought she was in like pose. It was pretty but, cool. Uh, she she is, did get out of her white lady dreads into this. Co- she also has a mane. And I don't think they meant it to be contrasted with Aslan. But if they did, that was cool. Yeah, she's she's in like warrior garb now, mm-hmm. and she is just she's the only person in this entire movie that isn't computer generated that has any sort of semblance of fight choreography. Yes, and it's very cool to see Tilda Swinton just being like angles, 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 work it. She's awesome, and so she has an interminable battle though with Peter. The sword play between the two of them is fucking insane. It's so bad. It's just like clinking yeah. their swords. Cle- They're swinging. They're kind of not connecting. It was shot slowly and then sped up. It's it's really, really awkward. It is aggressively bad in a way <laughs> that like really makes you wonder how they spent $180 million on this movie and ended up with the worst final sword fight. It's so boring. And it's the one thing Peter does. And there, it makes no sense that she just wouldn't mark his ass. It doesn't make sense that he wouldn't just swing. She would step to the side like a 1930s Chaplin film. <laughs> and he would like fall into the dirt and possibly impale himself. Again, we've never seen him actually learn to swing a sword. All he knows how to do is point it. 
And then she would just, like, nuke his ass. Like, it oh, doesn't yeah. make sense that she just wouldn't nuke his ass immediately. She's been nonstop murdering people for a very she long time. She took a griffin out. Yeah, yeah, she fucked a griffin up. Also, while Aslan is busy resurrecting all these other creatures, that griffin gets stoned. And I then, was upset by yeah, this. Uh, stoned and then immediately smashes into rocks and bash into pieces, which means that griffin is not coming back. That Sad. griffin is dead, dead. It's fucked up, man. So they're having this interminable battle. Edmund manages to destroy her wand, which is his one redemptive yeah. thing that he, he does this stabbed, whole movie. He gets stabbed, which is funny. Um, but, yeah. like, whatever. Yeah, it's really funny that... Uh, the dwarf never got to do it. <laughs> I, that would have been awesome. If he just showed up and like, ha! <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. And then, and then Aslan... Just like, she's about to kill Peter, finally. Yeah, thank God. And Aslan just like jumps on her, eats her face. They have a really funny moment here. What is because, up with, yeah. Okay, so... Aslan jumps up on her and it's just like pull, pinning her down. Yeah. And then they gaze into each other's eyes. And there's like a... It's like a moment of significance where it's like... She is like displaying not fear or terror. She's just like love, eat me, understanding. Like I, I really don't know what that moment is. I think this movie has such a strange relationship with violence, and that it is more than happy (laughs) to like cartoonishly show you thousands of hundreds of mythical creatures like pummeling each other, but there's never any blood or death really. No. Um, and so and that poor Griffin aside, it's implied that most people will come back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, between Lucy's like cordial that will save yes. people and Aslan's like uh, hot breath <laughs> that uh, brings people back to life. Yeah, it does. Uh, allegory, allegory. Um, he just mauls her. Yeah. They stare into each other's eyes and then he mauls her and then her corpse is just behind him, but you can never see any blood or anything. There's no blood on him. There's no blood on the ground. But and let me he- tell you, when you maul somebody. For I'll say this from experience, you get blood on your beard. Anyways, now that uh, Jesus has straight up marked someone. <laughs> like, yeah, we all remember when Jesus got down yeah. from the cross and ate Pilate. Yeah, uh, that was the the special extended edition of the Passion of the Christ, where uh, Jesus goes down to hell and flays Satan. And then the battle's over. Yeah, and then it's done. Aslan's going to breathe on people. Lucy, Lucy heals Edmund and goes around healing other people. And that's it. Yeah, and again, there's just there's a great moment in the book where like Lucy is very concerned about Edmund, and so he gives her she gives him the cordial, and she's waiting to see if it works. And Aslan's like, "Hey, there are other people that need help," and she's like, "Give me a minute." Like she's very mm-hmm. upset. She's like, yeah. I "Just need to," see. and he's like, "Hey, are you gonna let more people die because you love your brother?" Mm. And like she has to realize that as much as she wants to be there in this moment, she has another job to do and she goes and does it. And it, it it's small, but it, it like it, it says act- something. It's actually more feminist than the movie though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but in this, there's none of that. They don't they don't care about any of the actual Well, because group. there's no other character. They're barely characters. Yeah. There's certainly no other ones. Exactly. So then they get to be kings and queens. Yeah. You know, um, you know how all kingdoms were run with four king two kings and two queens at all times? Yeah. My favorite thing about this ending is that Aslan is putting them on their thrones. Everyone's mm-hmm. cheering. Everyone's yeah. super happy about these kids that have done nothing and know nothing about this land and have no understanding they of any of the They didn't even beat the White Witch. Aslan defeated the White no, Witch. No. Uh, but Peter. not only does he crown them, he gives them titles. Yes. And in the book, they receive these titles at the end of their reign. Mm-hmm. They reign for an entire lifetime. Right. And they gain their names through the work that they have done since becoming rulers. Mm-hmm. Edmund becomes Edmund the Just, presumably because he has ruled justly. Peter becomes Peter the Magnificent because he slays Poon. Uh, 
Susan becomes becomes Susan the Gentle because C.S. Lewis was not a feminist. Lucy becomes Lucy the Valiant because I don't know. Uh, she, hilariously, in the book, it's like all the princes wanted to be with her. <laughs> like Lucy. Does it really? Yeah, no, it really does. It's like, yeah, no, everyone was super into Lucy. Anyways, in this, he just gives them the titles at that moment so they have no connection to anything that these people have actually done. Yeah. None of them have been just magnificent, gentle, or valiant. Yep. At any point. And so it's just like, you're these people. We've been here for two and a half hours. It counts, right? Then we cut to 10-ish years later. Like, no, it's it's supposed to be. In the book, I yeah. know it's supposed to be. Like, they only look like they're young adults. Yeah, yeah. They, they look maybe like late 20s, early 30s. So yeah. And they're riding through the wood mm -hmm. on a hunt. Which, in a world of anthropomorphic animals... I don't want to really think about the logic of. Uh, no, it's I, I actually know this from the book. Obviously, the movie doesn't care to establish this. It's a white stag that grants you witches wishes if you catch it. Huh. So they're not trying That's to right. actually I remember kill that. It. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're, hilariously, all of them stone cold hotties now. Super hot. Yeah, it's it's just very funny that they're like, no, 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 cannon, cannon. Everyone's hot now. And then they see the uh lamppost the lamppost from the beginning of the movie sorry they, from 40 minutes into the movie and they have no memory of like their childhood being british children yeah during a war which is hilarious because again in this movie it's mm. only been like 10 years right in the book at least they've had their whole lifetime to like in this other space to kind of be like yeah i mean i don't know yeah uh, but here it's just like, hey, remember that thing that happened five minutes ago? Nope, me either. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it'd be like, do you, it'd be like asking us, do you remember when you were 15? It's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Like, that's a strange question. I try not to, yeah. but I do. Of course not. And they're like, oh, yes. And then they go through and they tumble back into England in the 40s as children. Yes. And we're like 30 seconds from the end of the movie where they have gone from being rulers of a whole land for a decade to children in wartime Europe. And the professor just comes in. He's like, what have you young scallywags been up to? Cut to black. Uh, never in the book or movie does it acknowledge how psychologically damaging this would have to be. Okay, I mean, can you imagine? They have ruled a kingdom. They've they have grown up. They have fucked. They have they other generations of children that they have. And yet, it's just like, this is cute. Yeah, it's just, it's super cute that they lived an entire lifetime and now have to go back to being children in one of the worst eras of human history. Yeah. Why does this movie not work, Michael? I think what's amazing about this movie is that it gets everything right but the shit that matters. Yeah. Like, it is it is astoundingly faithful to mm -hmm. the work. It, it rips language. It rips locations. It, it, it faithfully recreates and in some ways even just, like, lovingly develops things like Mr. Tumnus's cave or, mm -hmm. or the hovel that uh, the beavers live in. The, you know, it really does feel in some ways... Like a project that was passionate about recreating this thing. Mm -hmm. It just did it in the most mechanical way possible. Yeah. And it missed all the shit that matters. It missed the themes. Edmund is no longer a kid that just was just selfish enough to do great evil. Mm -hmm. And to, had something to say about how like selfishness doesn't have to be that malicious. It just has to be selfish enough to, for you to let malicious, terrible things happen. Like it, it's not a movie that has something really to say about redemption even. Mm -hmm. Because it never shows you any fucking redemption. 
It's like a Wikipedia summary. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it ultimately, I think, it set out to be the Lord of the Rings, but it actually uh, ended up being The Hobbit, which is when you try to hang too much on a story that is actually very small at its mm-hmm. core. Yeah. And, uh, and if they had done right by the fairy tale elements and not tried to turn it into this giant epic just because right. a battle exists for two paragraphs in a book uh, and because Lord of the Rings made a lot of money, if they had invested that time and energy and instead building out its characters, it is entirely dependent on you being the person that read these books as a child mm-hmm. and loves them enough that seeing them in front of you is going to be enough. Yeah, And it is asking you to do all of the emotional work to make those characters the characters that you remember without actually taking the time to show you any of them. Mm-hmm. So guys, thank you so much for sticking with us through uh, a, a deep dive through the Disneyification of something that we grew up with. I promise next week we will be back on our topical bullshit yelling at Joe Biden and uh, trying to... I ma- would never do that. <laughs> yelling, you can't uh, hear me. Why would I yell? Thank you guys for being with us. Uh, you can find me at Michael Tabor on Twitter. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. And you can follow the pod at, at shitty underscore pod. Uh, if you do have a chance to rate and review us on iTunes, it really does help us out. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening so much. This has been Shitty Christian.